Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Industry Focus. I'm Nick Seipel. We've got a great show for you this week. By overwhelming listener demand, we'll be discussing Brookfield renewable energy and the renewable energy space at large. My guest today is Molly Fool contributor Jason Hall. Jason, welcome back on the podcast. So nice to be on with you again, Nick. So nice. Yeah, we were just saying before the show, uh, you know, I've been uh, visiting some family in a way uh, uh, from my podcast material. So last time we chatted was within that when we recorded that college football show back on July 17th. And, you know, things have changed, but we might we might have called it a little bit, Jason. I No, we, we didn't just call it. We absolutely nailed it. Yeah, but our topic today, as I mentioned, is Brookfield uh, Renewable Energy. I just w- one of our many listeners, as I said, hey, for industry focus, could you take a look at renewables, especially Brookfield Energy Partners, ticker BEP, an interesting LP with investments in many countries, many forms of renewables. Big Molly Fool fan. This is James McVeigh. And yes, we're going to talk about uh, that company today. We've got Brookfield Renewable Energy Partners, which is ticker BEP. And now we have Book- Brookfield Renew- Renewable Energy Corporation, which is ticker BEPC, which we'll talk about later. But before we get into that, Jason, we've talked about Brookfield Renewable a bunch on the show. For folks who aren't familiar with this company, what does it do? What is this company? What are you buying when you invest in it? So Brookfield Renewable Corporation, there's there's a lot of Brookfield stuff out there. So it's part of the Brookfield Asset Management um, uh, group of, of, of companies that deal with alternative assets. So when you buy Brookfield Renewable Corporation, this is a business um, that uh, buys, develops, and manages renewable energy production infrastructure assets. So you think about uh, solar uh, and when these big uh, utility scale projects that generate uh, power, then they, they generate that electricity and then they sell it to utility customers. Uh, what a lot of people don't think about, that's actually still the largest part of Brookfield Renewables business is hydroelectric, right? So that's the OG of renewable energy is hydroelectric. And that's the core of the business. That's where it started, you know, I guess a decade or so, a little more than a decade ago. So you're buying these, these predictable long-term cash cow businesses that kick off cash flows that Brookfield Renewable then returns to investors uh, in the term and through a very sizable dividend uh, that it targets growing um, at a high single digit rate every year is that's like the stated goal is to grow that 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 <clears throat> that payout to investors you know about eight percent every single year and it has absolutely crushed it in terms of total returns since uh, since it went public. Yeah, you talk about that the hydroelectric part. I know I know folks get really excited about solar and wind. I, I think one thing to note there with hydro though is, you know, the sun keeps shining more every day. There's only so many hydro places you can set up a dam on the face of the planet. Like that, that right. is a really scarce asset. And one of Brookfield's really big advantages is there's only so many companies that can manage these types of assets. They just bought a massive and we can talk about one of their more recent deals, they just uh, agreed to acquire a 1,200-megawatt solar development project in Brazil. It's going to be uh, one of the largest solar development projects in the world. It's Brookfield's huge, one yeah. of the only companies that could actually do that project and handle that, which is a huge advantage for this company. 
It absolutely is. This is a business where I think scale certainly pays off. And that's one of the reasons why you think about Brookfield Renewable. It is one of the biggest of these yield codes or these independent uh, energy producers. It's one of the largest, uh, but I think it's the opportunities for it to continue. It's well, total returns are over 500% since IPO. It's just absolutely crushed it. Uh, but it, I think the, the, the future is still just as bright because its scale is a benefit. It's a global business. And this type of, of, of asset is going to be in more and more demand. There's going to be a billion more people in the global middle class over the next decade. The, the global middle class is where, where energy gets consumed, right? So there's just tremendous uh, uh, demand that's going to continue to grow for this, for, for, for what these guys do. Right. I think if you want to bet on a trend, I think two trends are pretty safe to predict that energy demand, people are going to continue using more and more energy every year. And given uh, attitudes around the world and scarcity of hydrocarbons and all these other things, global warming. Energy um, security. Yeah, exactly. That a lot of those dollars are going to be invested uh, in renewable energy. And you have a company here in Brookfield Renewable uh, that is one of the few that has the scale, the expertise uh, to invest in this in in the way that they can. Um, We can talk about another big news announcement uh, from this quarter, uh, moving them more into the solar energy space. We've talked about this a few times on the show. They completed their merger with Terraform Power. Jason, what can you tell us about these assets and the significance of it uh, for the company? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things, right? This really, I think this really tells us a lot about about where Brookfield sees sees the future and the opportunity. So you go back several years ago, and Brookfield uh, acquired a majority stake in Terraform Power, which is which came out of. You're going to have to help me out, Nick. Terraform Power was Sun Edison, I believe. That, that sounds right. That sounds it right. It was it was it was a subsidiary of Sun Edison. It was its yield code that it used to kick off these these projects after they were developed, these sun and wind <coughs> assets. And Sun Edison kind of fell apart and and Terraform and uh, Terraform Power and Terraform Global, these two separate businesses that were part of it, really were they weren't being leveraged properly. Um, hey, look at that background. Look at that. What is that? A hydroelectric dam? That's pretty nice, isn't it? Um, so uh, it's uh, long story short, the value investing guys that, that allocate capital at Brookfield saw an opportunity to become the sponsors of Terraform Power. And they also saw an opportunity to make money in wind and solar, right? And that has been an issue for the, the, the majority of the history of solar and wind is that it just wasn't economic, right? You, you had to have all these subsidies and just there wasn't really a good way to make money there. And the technology's gotten better, costs have fallen. There are still subsidies, but it's it, the cost competitive aspect has changed. Uh, and, and these folks saw that opportunity. So they, they acquired a majority stake of Terraform Power in 2018, I believe. And uh, the writing was kind of on the wall pretty early that this was eventually going to get rolled up uh, and fully acquired. And so, th- so they've just recently closed the deal to fully acquire uh, the rest of Terraform that they didn't own rolled it into Brookfield Renewable Partners, and it kind of created a bit of a quandary. Brookfield Renewable Partners is a partnership. It's a publicly traded partnership. It gets lumped in with MLPs, right? So the problem with MLPs is that most, a lot of indexes won't include MLPs in the index. They only want corporations um, for, for tax reasons, and a lot of retirement accounts um, are not uh, MLPs are not always suitable because there's tax implications because of something called UBTI, unrelated business taxable income. They can leave you owing the tax man uh, from earnings from 
an MLP inside of a tax advantaged account, so it's not ideal. Uh, Brookfield has said for years and years that you know we, we, we you're not going to pay UBTI. It's you can, you can own it. It's fine, but some brokerages they just like it flags the, t- the ticker and it won't even let you buy it. So so you get back to Terraform Power. Terraform Power is a corporation, right? When the decision was made to acquire Terraform Power in total, it created a situation where you were potentially going to be pushing shareholders uh, out. So the decision was made to take uh, Brookfield Renewable and also Brookfield Infrastructure, it's another another similar business, and create corporate equivalents, right? So it's 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 <clears throat> the economic ownerships, you know, share to share is the same. What you own is the same. The dividend that it pays is the same, but the difference is you, it's a corporation, right? So now BEPC is the corporate equivalent, and it's it's I think it's going to expand the addressable potential investor base, and also for those Terraform Power investors. Uh, who didn't want to own that MLP unit? They wanted to own a stock, a corporate, uh, uh, corporate stock. It's that's so that's why that's why it now exists. So uh, I would not again. This is not individual to anybody specific, but anybody that owns Brookfield Renewable um, corporate uh, Brookfield Renewable Partners and has a large capital gain. I don't think it makes again a large capital gain in a taxable account. I don't think it makes sense to sell that. And to buy Brookfield Renewable Corporation because you're going to have a realized taxable event. Uh, but going forward, there are some benefits to owning that corporation uh, versus versus the 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 Brookfield Renewable Partners ticker. So that's did I answer that? Well, yeah. I mean, let, let let's make sure we kind of orient you know d- directly on this you know, Brookfield Renewable Corporation issue because as I mentioned earlier on July 30th, uh, the company uh, decided, or that was when they finally. Um, issued the, those shares. And so for every 100 shares of Brookfield Renewable Energy Partners, ticker BEP, that you owned, you would receive 25 shares of Brookfield Brookfield Renewable Corporation. And we got a number of questions uh, from listeners about what to do with that particular distribution, which, which you touched on earlier. Jason, these are questions from Tyler K, uh, Tim H, there's some others um, as well. So, so just kind of walk me through the, the, the dynamics of if you held Brookfield Renewable Partners, ticker BEP, mm-hmm. on July 30th, what happened to your shares? Right. So it's the way, the way that they created this, this, this new entity um, is it creates a non-taxable event where you are awarded, essentially you're awarded, it's like a distribution, these, these shares of the corporate entity. The same thing happened to Brookfield Infrastructure Partners, uh, investors earlier this year, they did a similar thing when they created Brookfield Infrastructure Corporation, where when they created this entity, they they spun it out and they awarded uh, existing unit holders uh, a stake in this in this new entity. So what should have happened is your brokerage account should should just show up with those with those new those new stocks in addition to your existing position that you also held. Now I think it will affect the per share dividend that they pay. I think it will, they'll have to kind of normalize that a little bit. That's what happened with Brookfield infrastructure. But then if you carry the total dollars of dividends that you would have received just on that Brookfield Renewable Partners, plus the dividend that you'll get on the new shares that you were awarded, it'll equal out to the total economic value. So it looks a little bit squirrely, but now that this new entity exists, it's going to create a larger potential shareholder base. Right. And so if you're a shareholder on, say, you know, July 30th, before this went effective, you owned BEP, 
you know, say 100 shares in your account on the, the 1st of, of August, you owned 100 shares of BEP and 25 shares of BEPC. And so now, you know, the question is, what do I do with these BEP shares? What do I do with these BEPC shares? And that goes back uh, to what you said earlier, Jason, about what, what whether you have it in a taxable account or not. And if it's if you have a large gain and a taxable account, you need to weigh those tax costs relative to any convenience benefits you might gain from uh, you know not having to do this, the special tax forms, et cetera, et cetera. If you own it in a in a um, non-taxable account, then there really is no downside if you would like to have the corporate form, not get that that special tax uh, form every month, just be able to treat this investment like any other investment you have, um, then you can go ahead and sell that BEP and buy BEPC and you won't cost yourself anything. Now, all these decisions are going to be specific to you and your financial situation. So if you have any questions about that, talk to a, a personal financial advisor. Uh, but that, that's my view on the, on the situation. Is, is that fair to say? It is. And I think the really the key thing that underpinned it was, the again, the Terraform Power acquisition is that they gave Terraform Power uh, shareholders the option to choose which which ticker they want, which, which which stock or unit that they wanted to take in exchange because it was a share, you know, they, it was paid for with with Brookfield Renewable shares. So <clears throat> for anybody that had Terraform Power, the 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 to me the obvious choice would have been to go with those Brookfield Renewable Corporations shares uh, going forward, just because it's a lot cleaner. Right. So you know we've talked about uh, Brookfield Renewable. You know going forward, you know significant opportunities to to invest in renewable energy. When you look at the stock today, what do you what do you think of it from a valuation perspective, long term opportunity? Well, there's I mean there's no doubt about the fact that it's it's done incredibly incredibly well, and it should because this is like this is like a classic, uh, uh, like recession proof kind of business, and it cratered like basically everything else did uh, when when the market fell thirty five percent from late you know. Uh, late February through through the end of March, uh, but it's recovered quite strongly. But I think it's actually still at this at this time it's still like three percent below its peak in late February. So it's still cheaper than people were willing to pay based on you know where the, where everybody thought the world was you know uh, six months ago. So I think it's still a very reasonable value. And I don't want to say this is a buy at any price business, but I think this is a business that certainly. If you're going to pay a premium for any of these yield codes, any of these independent <clears throat> renewable energy companies, I think Brookfield Renewable is the one that's worth paying a premium for. Because if you look at the track record of, of total returns, you look at their capital allocation history, how good they are at uh, investing new capital, how good they are at, at finding assets that maybe don't have the growth prospects they did, uh, selling those assets and then redeploying that cash, kind of that cash recycling model, they're just really, really good at it. And they don't get caught up with chasing the stock price quarter to quarter to manage to Wall Street's expectations. They focus on the long-term trends to develop meaningful returns and consistently grow per share cash flows that they can distribute back to investors. So I think it's an absolute buy at this price. I think it's a mistake to look at what the stock's done and to anchor on where it was uh, in March or April or to anchor on where it was a year ago and how much it's run up. I think it's a business you buy now. You dividend reinvest the shares if you don't need the income. And 20 years from now, you can uh, you can buy me a cocktail and, and, and thank me for the suggestion. 
Yeah, I mean, I think one thing we haven't mentioned that I think is important to note is that relationship with Brookfield Asset Management, that that uh, ability to access permanent capital and really significant amounts of permanent capital um, at that. I mean, you, you throw that on top of the renewable opportunity and then the management and all that sort of thing, and uh, that, that, that really, really helps the thesis as well. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Brookfield uh, Asset Management's one of the largest, you know, <clears throat> alternative asset management companies in the world. They have, you know, trillions in assets under management for for sovereign wealth funds and institutional class investors and high wealth individuals and families. Uh, in addition to their public publicly traded entities like Brookfield Property and Renewable and Brookfield Infrastructure, uh, that that us retail investors can can invest in. And it's just a tremendous, tremendously well-run organization all through. So you think about corporate culture, you think about about that culture of, of <clears throat> disciplined capital allocation. You know, these guys will talk about deals that they lost, right? And that's and that's I think that that really that, that really informs a lot about how they think about it because they're not just out there crowing about the deals that they won. They lose deals because they're disciplined, right? Because they they will not pay more than they think it is worth because they're looking to capture, again, meaningful cash flow growth. And they know what a deal is worth, what a property is worth, what an asset is worth to them. And they, and they, I mean, they, they stick to their knitting really, really well. And, and, and when they, when they do allocate capital. So, so I, you know, I think it's fair to say we like Brookfield. We like the Brookfield family of companies. Uh, moving on to renewable energy, Maybe more broadly, Jason, I, we talk about a lot on this show, these, these yield codes. We've talked about Brookfield, talked about Clearway Energy, Atlantica Yield, a lot of these companies that, that touch uh, the renewable energy space in some way. And they're often the, these yield co uh, type companies. I guess my question for you is, is why, why are these companies attractive to you relative to other folks in the renewable energy space? So I guess what are the good things about these yield codes? And, and then maybe on the other side, what is the bad things about some of these other areas or, or more challenging things about some of these other areas of renewables uh, that leads you to this as your kind of fishing ground, like Charlie Munger might say? Yeah, so I think the first thing is that you think about the value of predictability, right? These these companies they develop and, and acquire these assets, and they own them, and then they sign long term contracts to sell the power that they generate over you know ten twenty year, uh, sometimes even longer uh, periods of time. So you get that predictability of of their earnings, uh, and you know it's going to flow a, a large portion that's going to flow back to you. Um, as the shareholder. So that's tremendously value and uh, valuable in a really dynamic, dynamic space. The other part of it too, is these are businesses that absolutely benefit from the two biggest trends in renewables. And number one is the growth of demand. And the other one is the falling costs, right? The, the technology continues to get better. The cost per watt for wind and solar both continues to fall. So then that's a normalized way to determine how much an asset is is <clears throat> is going to cost you and what it's going to give you. So that competing against coal-fired power plants or, or natural gas power plants or nuclear, what, what have you, cost per watt helps you figure out how competitive you can be when you need to sell that that energy. Those costs continue to fall. Now, that's the, those falling costs are not great if you're in the business of manufacturing solar panels, for example, right? Because the low cost, it's, 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 it's kind of like being a steel maker, right? He who can make it for the cheapest wins. So that's that, so that dynamic is very, very much at play. And as we've seen in the steel industry and other industries, when you're competing against China, for example, where there is a very real long history of, of, of the government managing the industries and providing subsidies, 
that aren't necessarily always uh, legal and they can be, they can, they can, you know, fly in the face of fair trade agreements, uh, but they still happen. It can make it a lot harder if you're manufacturing solar panels in Mexico or Canada uh, or the United States to, to compete. Or if you're an American solar company that has manufacturing somewhere in Southeast Asia, it can undercut it substantially. And then you have the cyclical aspect of that industry. You have these massive capital investments you have to make, these really high fixed costs. And then year over year, demand for solar or wind can fall off sharply, right? So these utility scale projects, they drive the market. And if demand is not, it falls off from one year to the next, you're, you're, and you're making the solar panels, you still hold the bag on the costs for all of your facilities. So it can really affect your, your, your ability to make money. If you're just selling power, on assets that you've already deployed, that, that again, that's, that's that predictability, right? So I think that's one of the reasons that I really, really like this space the most is because you get the benefits of things that hurt <laughs> the other players, but also you continue to ride that long-term, uh, that long-term uh, path of, of increased demand. Yeah, Jason, as you were explaining those those dynamics in the in the, the solar panel manufacturer industry, I, I couldn't help but think about, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, the legacy of that company uh, was a textile manufacturer. And you can look at some of some of Buffett's uh, quotes from back in the, the late 1960s about the question of should we invest in new manufacturing capacity? It'll make us more efficient, it'll make us more competitive, but all our competitors are going to invest in that too. And the margins are driven down and it's really difficult to recoup your fixed cost investment you made to upgrade your facilities. And as soon as your facilities are upgraded, guess what? You need to upgrade them again. And so the, the, the dynamics of that industry just make it unattractive uh, to invest in. But again, if you're uh, the industry that that uh, you know, the industry that that's the supplier for, then you can benefit from those that's falling right. prices. Exactly. It's like, it's it's the reason I like Phillips 66, but I don't like ConocoPhillips, right? ConocoPhillips is drilling the oil and selling it at whatever the market demands. Phillips 66 benefits because they, they're a buyer of oil and they're just supplying the, they're supplying the end user demand on the other side. So it's, you look, look across industries and you can find the same thing. You can find who suffers and who benefits and invest in the, in the ones that benefit. And that's the way that, that's the way you can make money. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about renewable energy a lot more on this show. We're getting questions about it all the time, so so keep sending us in some companies you want us to dive into. Uh, so this isn't the last uh, you'll hear us uh, talk about renewables, but but that type of seeing who owns the leverage in the market, see where's the margin getting higher and where's the margin getting lower, where's the where's the part of the market where there is a limited supply of players versus a large supply of players. Uh, that's where you can find some opportunities. Yeah, we and we haven't even we haven't even talked about you know one of the big benefits for for the yield codes and those guys right now. I think it's it lifts everybody, but it's certainly a benefit for them is energy storage, right? As those costs come down, the addressable market for a renewable yield code gets even bigger because then they're going to be able to meet those baseline and those peak power demands because they'll have the power stored in a battery that they can send off to the grid as needed. Yeah, I mean the op the opportunity for these yield codes, the roles, the role they play uh, in the market, I think is significant. I think one area, one other area we might mention too, is just who are the yield codes the supplier for? Okay, so they're the supplier to the local utility company or you know <laughs> bigger and bigger utility company uh, uh, these days. What are the dynamics at play there? Because the yield codes do have an interesting uh, uh, advantage in that part of the market as well, relative to to the, the to relative to their customer. 
I think so. I think one of the things that we've seen that started to happen that's going to continue to happen is I think the utility model is going to change. So I think you have a lot of the utilities that have focused on owning assets as much as they can, the power generating assets as much as they can. And I think over the next 20 years, we're going to see them shift more just to managing the distribution of that electricity and relying more on yield codes to provide them the electricity that they need to meet that demand. So I think especially as we see more uh, like these these coal plants get retired. I think we're at the risk of uh, we're going to see more nuclear plants get. We need to build more nuclear plants, but that's a, you know that's another two or three shows worth of material right there that we're not going to touch. Um, so so I think I think Yulcos are going to provide uh, the 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 their addressable market is going to continue to grow, and utilities are going to look to leverage that more and more. I think I think over time as they need to become a little bit more nimble about they how they how they operate their businesses. Yeah, and there, there's some dynamics in play there when it comes to how those industries have to charge regulated rates and how those are computed and things like that. And again, that really is a whole other show uh, that, that we'll have to uh, uh, get into next time. But Jason, I can't wait to, uh, to have you on next time to dive into it. Absolutely. Sounds fantastic. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for making it sound so nice. For Jason Hall, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and fool on. Fool on.